Welcome to Carve Your Own Fucking Path podcast, a podcast about kick-ass women who found the clarity and courage to live life on their own terms. I'm Willa McDonough, your host, life and success coach, and certified NLP practitioner. I'm also the creator of the one-on-one coaching program, Carve Your Own Fucking Path, launching the week of August 10th. In each episode, you'll hear candid interviews with women who have boldly stepped into the unknown and the occasional solo show with me. Expect juicy topics like facing your fears, reinventing yourself, entrepreneurship, law of attraction and manifestation, and how to harness the power of your subconscious mind to completely change your life. So come along as I explore these topics messy truths and extraordinary journeys of women living truly unconventional lives. My mission for this podcast is to inspire your inner risk taker to get out of your head and into your heart so you can start taking action today towards creating a life you are freaking proud of. I'm so excited to have you here. In today's episode, I'm interviewing Amber Romaniak. She's an emotional eating, digestive, and hormone health expert. She's built a super successful business after her own personal struggles with emotional and binge eating. She's the host of the No Sugar Coding podcast, and we dive deep into how she shifted her own mindset to overcome her struggles with food addiction. Unlike many of the guests on this podcast, Amber had a feeling from a young age that she was destined to forge her own path. Amber blends spirituality, intuition, and mindset work to help thousands of women overcome their struggles around food. Let's meet Amber. Thank you. Thank you. I really am grateful to be here with you today. I'm grateful, yeah. you know, to have you here sharing your story, getting vulnerable, and helping others along the way. Thank you. It's uh, definitely been quite a journey, a very unexpected journey at that. Mm -hmm. Um, I never would have imagined, you know, 12, 10, 12, 15 years ago that I'd be here, you know, seven years into my business coaching, you know, already over a thousand women all over the world and having a podcast and Mm -hmm. just going through all the experiences that I have up until this point. I'm excited, you know, for what's, what's coming, but it's just like, you never know, like you think, because my initial goal was to be on TV. And I'm kind of glad that didn't work out the way that I, right? I wanted to be like an entertainment reporter, like work with celebrities or whatever. And so it's kind of Uh interesting how my path just completely got interrupted when I finished school. And then all of a sudden, you know, you really started struggling with binge eating. Um, So it's interesting how the path really changed very drastically. However, it's nice to have the background, you know, being comfortable, feeling comfortable speaking and, you know, all those kinds of things. So it's really interesting. Very interesting. So as, so when you were, I always ask this question, like, what did you want to be when you grew up? So you wanted to be on TV news, doing the news. Yeah. Like entertainment stuff, right? Okay. Or like, doing the music video thing. Cause I just thought that they had like, they had it made, you know, in, in that mm-hmm. um, space. So that's really what I wanted to do when I grew up for sure. Um, and I never had my health in mind really. I didn't really know or understand how, you know, the impact that food could have mm-hmm. on my physical state of health, on my mood, my mental health, you know, had no idea about intuition or like anything to do with spirituality, even though I just like always felt different. I don't know if you can attest to that, but just growing up, I just like, I don't feel like I necessarily need to fit anywhere. I just feel different, but it wasn't a bad thing. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so from a young age, you felt different from your family, friends, from most people. Yeah. Well, it was just kind of like, I always had this interest in, you know, looking up at the stars or, you know, um, when I'd Mm -hmm. hear people talk about, you know, intuitive people, I loved crystals. I unconsciously from a very young age, there's this one store where in this mall that my mom and I used to go shopping at and they sold little like surprise bags full of little crystals. And, um, there'd be like, 
money from different countries in there, but I always wanted to go there and buy the little, you know, $5 bag full of crystals because mm-hmm. I just love them. But I didn't realize that unconsciously I'm having this like spiritual connection to, you yeah. know, this thing at such a young age. And it's funny because I still have all those now amongst many others. Cool. <laughs> um, but it's just like, you know, things that I couldn't put the dots together when I was younger, but now I'm like, Oh, no wonder I, that's how why I felt that way. Because it just knowing there's something more than, you know, getting a job, working nine to five. And I have full respect for people that are in that and are very happy in that or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever their roles are. But I just always felt like something's going to be different for me. I feel different. And I don't feel like I need to try to fit in with any crowd because that doesn't define who I am. And I think that really came, you know, through really learning how to love myself that really solidified knowing that I don't need anyone else or anything else to define me. And I don't need to look a certain way or abide by certain trends or hop on certain bandwagons because I don't want to be a follower. Like I want to be a leader. And that just naturally came from healing myself and then starting my business and really wanting to pave a certain path. And people always ask me, you know, you know, who's your um, competition? And I say, well, I don't think I really have any number one because I never look at it that way. I'm not worried about, you know, others. And, you know, it's like we live in this infinite abundance. Like there's plenty for everybody. I I don't feel like anyone's a threat to me nor I to anyone else. We're all here to help people. Mm -hmm. And everyone has a preference of, you know, um, who they want to go and help and everyone can serve people in a different way. Um, So I just think that all those things will help me get into this space of, like trust and ease and peace. Um, because I just think it's so important that when you have a business and you're doing this kind of work or anything for that matter, that you can, that you're leading from love instead of like control or fear, worry and lack mentalities, because you may not show up and be able to support people in the way that they need to be supported. If you haven't dealt with your own, like most of your suffers, because we're always going to be, you know, growing more deeply, but if you don't deal with your stuff, it will overlay into the coaching and support you're giving to someone else. Right. So definitely. And I want to dive like way into the coaching, um, in a little bit, but do you, I mean, as quickly, like most people that are coaches, for example, or coaching anyone supporting anyone, it's usually a past version of themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not, I mean, this, in this case, it's your, you're able to identify with all these women because you were, one of those women. Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, when I went through my food addiction, like it wasn't just, you know, getting a bit sad and then eating a piece of chocolate. Like I literally, I have a video on my YouTube where I show it, but it literally would be like, okay, I'm feeling upset or overwhelmed or whatever the emotions are, or I'm having these intensive cravings. So I'm going to go to the store and I'd buy pints of ice cream and baked goods and Mm. chips and cookies and sandwiches and like a block, you know, a whole package of cheese or whatever, like just multiple items. I was spending 75 to hundred dollars each time I would go to the store, you know, and if I'm doing that multiple yeah. times a week, that's how it added up to over, you know, $50,000 so quickly. And then going home and eating as much mm-hmm. as I could to numb, numb yeah. out. Right. Because I was conditioned just like most women are conditioned to, you know, not feel it's not safe to feel mm-hmm. you're weak. If you express your emotions, um, you should look a certain way. You should fit this certain mold. And if you don't, then you should diet. And right. then if you, yeah. you know, step outside of that eating, you should feel extreme guilt and shame. Right. So I didn't know how much of this I had inherited from the TV I was watching, you know, the magazines I was reading, the musicians, the, you know, actors, the celebrities that you're observing who you start to idolize because you think there are these incredible people who have created this fame and fortune out of nothing. Mm -hmm. And when they're endorsing all sorts of food products and other things and, you know, clothes, et cetera, you think like, Oh, if I want to be like them, I have to fit a mold and I have to, you know, I want to wear these certain things and eat certain foods and like be on the diet so I can look like whoever. Um, And it really, you know, I really now that I'm very aware of, you know, these, hidden agendas. It's just so blatant and so like obvious how deeply women have been conditioned Mm -hmm. to fight with their bodies and be out of your power. Cause guess what? When you're out of your power, you can't access your intuition. You can't access your deep inner knowing of your truth. 
and then you you go into a fear state and you you're insecure and you because you're fear, fearing losing control you want to have control and then that fuels more negative behavior with food your body restrictive diets right and then when you can't attain that then you're falling off the other way and you're binging or you're emotionally eating you're overeating and then the guilt and the shame kick in and the negative yeah. self talk kicks in and it just fuels this vicious cycle but in the interim, you're making the diet industry trillions of dollars. You're making the food industry trillions of dollars. And then the mm -hmm. pharma industry, because eventually, if it's not addressed, people end up getting sick. They end up getting different symptoms or, you know, depression or mood issues or whatever it is. And, and they really have it set up so smartly for them, but really unfortunate for us. Because if you don't know and understand the level at which the conditioning has been inserted you really, you put your trust in these external sources, right? Yeah. So it's not, and that's, I guess, the point that I'm trying to make is it's not any of your fault. It's not my fault. It's not your fault. It's not any of the listeners' faults that they've been stuck in this. Mm -hmm. The setup for failure has nothing to do with us. We've been completely misled and completely miseducated on how to take care of ourselves, how to listen to our bodies, to not do diets, you know, that the scale isn't everything and that what you see on TV is not even real, right? Like the Photoshopping, yeah. the CGI, the editing. Um, and because there's no disclaimers, we believe it, right? Legally, I think they should have to have disclaimers on photos in magazines or social media or alterations mm -hmm. in videos and TV because it's false, right? It definitely. And so a lot of the work I do is what is unprogramming people or reprogramming, you know, for all the, the limiting beliefs and everything that from such a young age where we're told these things and we then embody them as our truths. So in your case, this was of course pre we had magazines, I guess, but it wasn't, I mean, as prevalent as it is now, it's everywhere. Yeah. So as a young girl, did you have any role models? Can you pinpoint either where you were feeling this pressure to be mm. thin or is it something that it was, and again, it may be multiple things, but there was an emotion that you were feeling and you were trying to cover it up with food. So is what was going on for you in that, that's yeah. that cycle? I think a few different aspects. So the first one with my environment at home um, you know, that I can really look back and go, wow, that really did have a significant impact, but I'm not blaming, but it really right. was my mom because she had been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis before I was born. And I mm -hmm. think at that point it really, she didn't know how to cope with it. And I mm -hmm. think she really started going to food. Um, okay. and then she had me and then because there's certain things we couldn't do together because she get fatigued or just certain symptoms would come up for her, her way of compensation was food. So food was involved with everything we did. And I think part of that was the compensation, but also her own food addiction. And she had inherited that from her mom and mm -hmm. then from her grandmother, because in the depression, when that hit lack mentality really hit hard and that got passed down through four generations, right? Mm -hmm. I'm never going to have enough. And so here, you know, they all were behaving with food in this way. Um, and so I think there's that aspect of it. Um, mm -hmm. Also, my mom really always dis talked about disliking her body. She's very overweight, always shaming herself and saying how she hated her body and all these things. And so I grew up with that, right? I grew up yeah. hearing that all the time and her feeling so disempowered and frustrated, I think with you know, what ended up happening um, for her because before that, it was never that way. Like I look at pictures of her in her twenties and she you know, I'd never guessed she, that she had, you know, any issues with food or weight or anything like that. And okay. just very adventurous person in this diagnosis that just seemed to really, you know, play a huge role. And then, so I think that was one part. And then there was always food available at home, like whatever I wanted, obviously, because my mom would buy whatever. And there wasn't any, like, we can have some of this, but like, we can't eat six donuts at once. It was just like, I could eat whatever I wanted whenever oh. I wanted. And there was no quantity portion right? And health um, was never a concern. It was just... No. Yeah. Well, and it was like, okay, yeah, eat your fruits and vegetables and like take a mm -hmm. multivitamin, but it didn't really go beyond that. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that honestly, innocently was just because I don't think she really knew how to take care of herself either. And it's innocent right. because again, we're not really taught how to take care of ourselves. We're taught your doctor is the God, go to the doctor if you need something, mm -hmm. try to yeah. eat fresh, blah, blah, blah. But past that, like 
where was that really, you know, advocated, especially in the eighties and nineties, right? Mm -hmm. Like it really, I feel like we didn't really see a wake up then, you know, on these things. And so then the other piece, yes, it was definitely when I was five, I went my first day on the bus and I got called fat and ugly. And so that really shut me down. And I created this limiting belief that boys are mean and, you know, Mm. boys will only hurt me. So I really became very shy Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, just, you know, I had, you know, some friends who were girls, but otherwise it was just like being exposed. Um, it's kind of funny. I never cared for some of the kids shows and the kitty music on TV. I saw, I thought it was so like lame quote unquote. So I got Mm -hmm. into like buying CDs and, you know, dad always had like, you know, music playing had tons of CDs. And so I feel like I got into that, right? So I got into music really at a young age. And so then I, here I am, you know, getting the Britney Spears album and Christina Aguilera and all these pop stars and women who you're like, oh my gosh, look at her. She's the perfect body. She's popular. She's famous. She's rich. She's got everything she wants. Like Mm -hmm. I'm, that has to be the answer. That's the realm is like getting famous somehow. And you know, and then when you read the magazines and it's like, oh, here's the Britney diet, like blah, 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 900 calories and these workouts and get Britney's body. And like the way they advertise and the way they word the articles, it just really pulls you in when you have no sense of yourself and no idea Mm -hmm. how to discern what's real and what's not. And so I think it was that, those different items that really just had me so out of my power and so not aware, but it's, I'm not blaming, but I'm just, it's like, wow, no wonder, Yeah. right? It was so easy to get so caught up in all of that, but still not really have any, you know, recollection of that food could have such a big impact on my cravings, my mental, emotional health, my self-worth and my physical health. Um, were, you, were you losing or gaining? Okay. So when, when you were five and that, that boy said that to you on the bus, were you aware of, oh, I'm, were you overweight at all as a kid? Were you aware of that? I always felt like I was just like a little bit on the chubby side, like not even that I Mm -hmm. care to use that word, but I felt always like a little bit bigger than my friends. And like, there'd be the odd time where one of my parents' friends would make a comment like, oh yeah, like Amber's bigger than blah, blah, blah. And I'd just be like, wow, like, Mm -hmm. you know, why, why? So yeah, I think all growing up, that was the case. I was never like super overweight, but you know, in comparison to some of the other girls. Um, and so I think that that definitely from a very young age made me identify that I need to be thin to be popular and loved and liked and all this stuff. Right. So I always yearned for that. I probably started dieting around 10. Right. Um, and did that all through my teens, obviously into my early twenties until the food addiction hit and I overcame that. But it was very ingrained for many years that it's like you eat less and exercise Mm -hmm. more. And like, if you do that, then you will, everyone will look like this, not knowing there's different body types and metabolisms and hormones. And like, everyone has a different state. It's like now knowing this, right. And knowing it's like, Oh, no wonder. Like my friend has a different body type where she carries more weight in her butt and her, you know, thighs Mm -hmm. and her stomach is super flat. Whereas like I carry less weight in my butt and thighs, but like, I'll always just have like this little like love, you know, protection on my lower abdomen. Like even when I starved myself, I couldn't get rid of it. And it's just like coming to this acceptance and also understanding that this is how my body, you know, is, and that's okay Mm -hmm. though. Like I'm in full acceptance now and and it's helped me to see that everyone has a different shape and size and Mm -hmm. it's okay to not have the flat stomach because I think that was, that's so shoved down our throats, the flat stomach, the six pack or the flat stomach. And it's just like, It's killing people to have a flat stomach or to try and have a flat stomach. It's making people sick to think that that's what they need. Yeah. You know, definitely. And as a, so as a kid, so in your twenties, you know, teens and twenties, was it, did, did anyone ever notice that you had this going on? Were you gaining weight, losing weight? Did you have any input from outside saying, you know, are you okay? Was it something that you ever shared with anyone? I never shared it with anyone, but what was so funny was when I had like decided, okay, I'm going to, you know, really lose the weight this time and finally get the perfect body. So I had quote unquote, really restricted my calories and was exercising at the gym two hours a day. And I quote unquote, got what I thought was the perfect body. And then we started hanging out with this certain group of friends. And Mm -hmm. so I was obviously, you know, in that state. And then when the binge eating started, you know, it, it was like, 
July was good. By the end of July, I'd probably gained about 10 pounds. By the end of August, another 10 pounds. So I was up about 20 pounds. Um, and then we didn't see this group of friends for a couple of months. And then I, by that time I gained another 20 or 30 pounds. And so again, it was a guy and he went to my friend and was like, has, was Amber big as a child? Like she was thin a few months ago. What happened? So there was that male, yeah. you know what I mean? Like that male judgment again. And I noticed when I was thinner, I'd get attention, you know, in certain ways from men. And then after gaining weight, they didn't want to have anything to do with me. So you talk about attracting like superficial mirrors, right? Because yes. I was very arrogant when I was thin because I thought that that was everything, even though it wasn't and I was miserable. So mm-hmm. yeah, that, that other people didn't really say anything. I don't know if they noticed. I mean, pretty obvious when someone goes up 50 pounds in a few months, but yeah. that was the one comment. Otherwise, no. Okay. Just curious if, if outside influences, you know, people were cheering you on, you know, you look amazing, but really you're oh, starving they did yourself. before. Yeah. yeah. Oh, totally. I got so much of that. And yeah, everyone, yeah, you get that, those comments and people just look at you differently and treat you differently. And then you gain weight and it's the, com- like the complete opposite because we've been so conditioned to be so judgmental that if someone gains weight, they're lazy. Right. And they're, yeah. they have no willpower and there's, you know what I mean? When that's mm-hmm. never got anything to do with it. Like I've never met a woman who has gained weight, who is lazy, just sitting on the couch eating chips. And you know, this analogy that we give to people like, yes, people are binge eating and they're sitting and they're in so much hate and fear and frustration and anger, but they're not just doing it for no reason. You know what I mean? Always a reason, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing that's overlooked. You're right. It's the mental health. It's the, yeah. w- what is the reasoning behind it? So so what, do you have an aha moment when either you, because I really work with clients on clarity, mm-hmm. you know, when did you have this, did you have a moment of either, you know, I'm done with this emotional eating and then also switching into, I'm going to use my story and my experience mm-hmm. to then help other women. Yeah. So for me, my aha, or I guess you could, really have called it my low point, um, was a night that I had finished a binge and I had, you know, previous to that gone through a period of about six months where I was binging and purging, but was able to stop it and understand that I need to take ownership and responsibility for hurting my body and purging is only me furtherly hurting my body, which could, you know, have very serious implications if I keep doing this. And I was like, I'm not ready to have heart issues, you know, in my twenties because I'm purposefully, you know, fighting with my body. And so, but I was laying there thinking, how much harm have I done to my body over the last couple of years? Like, you know, am I going to make it a 30? I was, you know, 21, 22 at the time. And I'm just like, Mm -hmm. am I going to hit 30 if I keep being this destructive with my body, like between the food and the restriction and the stress around it and all the digestive issues I've developed and the negative self-talk, right? So I threw the food in the garbage. And then an hour later when it had settled, I went and I dug through the garbage and ate more of the food because I was like, oh, if this is the last time I'm going to do this, I might as well, you know, have more. And that really was my low point because, but I needed it to happen because what, what happened in that moment was I realized I had been afraid of who I'd be without food and what my identity would look like if I wasn't revolving my life around it. So the fear kept me in the cycle, Mm. but the suffering at that point got bigger than the fear. And so I said, well, I acknowledge the fear. I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I can no longer just like let the fear lead me. I've got to make my own path here. And so that was my aha moment. I still went through, you know, binging and, you know, had my ups Mm -hmm. and downs with binging and emotional eating after that. But I really started to then, you know, learn about food and understand sugar and that I was so addicted to it because they designed it to be addictive and that they put certain additives in food. So you become addicted to them. And I was really sensitive to wheat and dairy. And so, you know, through changing the way that I ate and learning about my digestive system and hormones and blood sugar and cravings, it was kind of like the physical state of health I started to learn about first. And when I still wanted to binge, that's when I realized it was really emotional. And so I started to understand what was triggering me to emotionally eat, you know, why I was afraid to feel my emotions, why I didn't know how to cope with stress in healthy ways and that I didn't like my body. And so that was the next phase of the healing was really, you know, understanding those things so that I could have healthy ways to cope with stress so that I didn't have to use food Um, And I started to catch my negative self-talk and that helped me to stop that and learn how to love and accept my body and ditch diets and scales 
Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was kind of the second phase. And then as you know, that progressed and I didn't want to emotionally eat anymore. I noticed this gut feeling that got stronger, that intuition. And so the third phase was really about self-love, but also discovering this intuitive, you know, spiritual side where, you know, wonder I've always felt different because I feel this connection to something at the time that I couldn't describe, which was that intuition and we all have intuitive gifts, but in the beginning it was a bit scary to embrace that. So that for me was like the, that point where I was like, wow, if I struggled with this the way that I did, how many other women are struggling or have struggled. And because I have the brain and the understanding and the experience, like I can really help people because I know exactly what they're going through. So that's what really inspired me to want to specialize in emotional eating you know, Mm -hmm. body image and, you know, hormones and digestion, because those things all go so hand in hand and impact your confidence in your self-worth and then the way you show up in the world. Yeah, definitely. And and on your path to recovery or healing, did you have help? Did you have work with anybody or a, a treatment center or anything like that? No. So that's something that I didn't do. I just always intuitively was like, I don't know why, but I feel like I have to do this on my own. I did go and see a psychologist once and I don't have like any negative, you know, emotions toward any psychologist or therapist or anything like that. But I went for one session, spilled everything out to her. And essentially all she could come up with was you need to learn how to love yourself and just don't drive to the store and buy the food. And I felt such deep judgment from her. And I'm like, Mm. I just spent this money and this is all you've got. And that really Mm -hmm. made me also realize if this is the kind of help that's out there and there's a lot of people who are just sitting here giving this as advice, people are not going to get where they want to go. And I'm not saying they're all that way, but I've had countless clients come to me and express, I've been seeing this person for 10 years or five years and I'm Mm -hmm. still not any further ahead. And I always say in my podcast, like if you haven't made any progress or little progress in a year, even you need to go and see someone else yeah. for this specifically. Maybe they can help you with other things, but like, do not keep, you know, going unless you're the one not doing the work. Right. Yeah. You know? That's part of it. But it sounds yeah, the right support is everything. It right? is. And that's why people need to keep digging until they find that person or that team, their healing team, because, mm-hmm. you know, you really can't just think that that's it. Like this is all there is, right? There's mm-hmm. always going to be someone else. If you feel like, if you get that feeling like this just doesn't feel right, or I don't feel like I'm getting what I need, trust that and keep digging and go and look, you know, for someone else or like I said, your, t- your team of healers. Right. And so what, what would you tell someone? Do, well, do you work with younger girls, by the way? Do you work like teens? No, I don't. Um, okay. For me, they have to be over 21. And part mm-hmm. of that is because I find they don't have the emotional maturity when they're that young to even understand this. You know, maybe they're starting to, but it's really the emotional maturity is not necessarily there. Um, I have had like, you know, mothers of, you know, teens and stuff reach out and, you know, want to get some help to help guide their um, young daughters. And so for that, I'm happy to provide the guidance that I can. And I often though do say like, they may have to go through this experience to learn what they need to learn. And then when they're ready and they have matured enough, they will get Mm. the help they need because you can't make someone control someone, even if you're observing them and they're suffering, like it's, you can get them help, but it's up to them if they're ready or not to receive it and take responsibility as well. Right. right? That, taking responsibility is the key to everything. That's, that is the, the clarity moment, I think, is yes. realizing that you have 100% control and are responsible for your circumstances. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so what advice would you give? And now this is just, I mean, a couple things, you know, because I have had my own eating, you know, emotional eating issues and in my early twenties and then, you know, other friends, it's, it seems like it's more common than not where there's, that is yeah. the, the go-to uh, numbing, yeah, I guess, mechanism you could say. So is there any just thing you can throw out just for someone that still is in the grips of that, you know, that it's maybe not a full blown. Yeah, for sure. Disorder, but Yeah. And so I think there's many levels of emotional eating to me, any reason for eating other than physical nourishment is emotional eating. So it could be whether it's like you get stressed out or frustrated and then you eat like 
three pieces of chocolate or half the chocolate bar or five chocolate bars. Like there's different spectrums and you don't have to be eating, you know, massive amounts of food to be an emotional eater, just like you may be eating massive amounts of food and feel a loss of control. So, you know, the first step is that I always encourage people if you feel like you're struggling is, you know, can you tell the difference between when you're physically hungry and emotionally hungry? Because there's huge differences and, and to dissect those when you're physically hungry, um, you know, it's like your blood sugar drops or you get a hunger signal. If you don't get a hunger signal, that's a sign your hormones are out of whack. Mm, um, you okay. look at the clock and you go, wow, I haven't eaten for three hours. It's, you know, it's time to nourish my body or you get dizzy or lightheaded or you get hangry, right? So there's some physical cues, stomach grumbling versus emotional hunger is, I just ate, but I still want to keep eating, or I associate watching TV and eating, or I work while I eat, or I'm upset. I don't, I, I saw the food and now I want to eat it. You know, mm-hmm. I compared myself to someone else there. I was on social media and now I'm really upset with my body. So I'm going to go and suppress with food. So we see that there's really big differences between physical and emotional hunger. And so starting to decipher the difference will help you to understand how much of your hunger is emotional. And then you can start to ask yourself, if I don't really need food, what may I need instead? And you know, what may be mm. triggering me like that. To, yeah. to need this right now? Is it body image? Is it stress? What is it? That's a very important question for people to start asking themselves physical versus emotional hunger. Um, mm. I think it's also important for people to start looking at their schedules and seeing and observing how much they're overbooking themselves because overwhelm is such a common emotional eating trigger. And if we aren't taking any time to take care of ourselves, yeah. How could you possibly be in a, you know, a good state physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually? Overwhelm. Fascinating that that's yeah. a main trigger because it's, it's a way of diverting. It's like bringing you down, right? It's grounding you yeah. because overwhelm is such a, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's intense. Too, it's intense. Yeah. And it's like, okay, let's just turn off the brain for a minute. Right. And just, and that's, so it's, so it's a a distraction. And so when, okay. So sorry, did I cut you off? Were you? No, no. Cause it's fascinating. And (laughs) so it's like finding the, yeah, the schedules, the triggers, the, because I find people are quite self-aware and they're like, Oh, I just, yeah, I overate or I ate this, this whole thing. And there's that it's a vicious cycle, right? Of like Mm. the guilt and then the, but you keep doing it. So it's like, how do you get off that roller coaster? Well, for some people, you know, starting with that observation of the physical versus emotional hunger is, is really what they need to make the shift. I find for Mm -hmm. most people though, you know, we all have an ego, which is our self-sabotaging mindset. And it's what so deeply keeps us in that vicious cycle. Mm -hmm. Um, And so as long as we're dieting and focused on the scale and focused on the external and our body and our weight and our clothing size, um, fulfilling us or being equating to our worth, we're going to stay in that cycle. So that's why I always tell people it's so important that we start to ditch the diets, to stop the diets and the in extreme yeah. eating styles and to start going, okay, I'm going to start focusing on key, what are simple yet such important basic needs, getting enough sleep, drinking enough water, starting to get dedicate time to self-care sitting and eating mindfully without any distractions when you're having your meals and just focusing on eating your food. But these things are very difficult for someone who's overbooked and has a lot on their plate because guess what? When they all of a sudden start dedicating time to themselves, they aren't distracted by everything anymore and they have to start dealing with their feelings and emotions. And a lot of people don't want to sit with their stuff. So that's why they overbook to distract themselves, to avoid doing the work and avoid addressing, you know, what is really causing them internal suffering. So I think that's where it's so important to, mm-hmm. you know, start to with small goals with, with basic needs like that. But if you're finding even that's really difficult, mindset's always the number one thing that we have to deal with. And I then encourage people, you know, if you've been struggling with this for decades, for years, it's, mm-hmm. I would encourage you to get support because yeah. there's so many layers to this journey. It's so complex. You haven't so figured it out by your yeah. own already. You're not a failure. However, it may be, just be what you need to gain the freedom. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And let's dive right into mindset because mindset is everything. And mm-hmm. you have such a great quote on your website that really just hit me pretty, pretty hard. I was like, okay, here we go. Um, mm-hmm. We all have defining moments. They can shape your self-confidence and felt need for self-protection. For many mm-hmm. women, that self-protection shows up as extra weight until you do the inner work 
to feel safe, your body will subconsciously hold on to the weight. Mm -hmm. So powerful because it's, again, there's so many layers and there's so much conditioning and so much get, lose 10 pounds. It's like this quick external yeah. instant gratification world that we live in. And this is not being talked about. No. Well, and you see it right when you're in the lineup at the grocery store and you see the magazines and you see all these lose 40 pounds in 30 days yeah. and Oprah's doing this and this person's doing this. And it's just like, mm -hmm. we've put our trust into people that really are not necessarily having, having the same ideals or like, you know, they're, they're selling a product. And so it's something I've been saying in my podcast lately, which is like, honestly, if a celebrity is endorsing a product, that should be a good red flag for you because they're probably just making a lot of money on something. And instead yeah. of just trusting them, cause you think they're this good person, use your discernment and go, but this, does this feel good for me? Yeah, right. So that's where exactly. some of the conditioning comes in. But I think it's so important that we really, um, you know, start to understand that the quick fixes only fuel the self-sabotaging behavior, fuel more lack of trust mm. in ourselves, more insecurity, mm -hmm. more fight. And the more we fight with our bodies, the more then the body gets stressed out. And then she starts to protect herself with the weight because she doesn't feel safe physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Mm. We're not acknowledging any of that. We're not managing our energy or our vibration. Mm -hmm. We're not fueling our bodies properly. We're not getting the rest. We're not setting healthy boundaries. So at some point yeah. the inflammation gets higher, the hormones go out of whack, people end up with adrenal fatigue, underactive thyroids, you know, estrogen dominance, low progesterone, their sex drive goes off, they can't get pregnant, they can't lose the weight, they're exhausted, brain fog, don't feel like themselves. Mm -hmm. That all, those are side effects and symptoms that come from staying stuck in this vicious cycle, but we've been so conditioned for quick fixes rather than becoming patient and knowing that it takes time to do yeah. this deeper work, but get, because guess what? As long as you're stuck in the quick fix stuff, you're making all these companies a lot of money and you're out of your power. So when you're out of your power and mm -hmm. stressful situations come your way, you are probably not good at handling them. And you sit deeper in fear because you don't have any capacity to handle it. Right. So it ends up impacting yeah. every area of your life. It's very, it's very significant. It's huge. It's everything. I mean, it's, what you're putting in your body, of course, and how you're treating your body is always going to be a reflection of your yeah. inner world. I definitely believe, or even if you're doing a lot, you're creating a lot, but then you, so you're outwardly, let's say very productive and you know, these high powered women, for example, and they're just doing mm -hmm. so much, but yet they're not taking care of themselves. I think it, you got to practice what you preach. You really do yeah. because it's, or it's like women who base their bot, like their business around their body and like being really fit or ripped or any of that. And I'm just like, well, why would you want to do that? Because you're essentially saying like, I'm selling this, I'm selling my body as a product. So if my body looks perfect, I'll sell more. But if I ever gain weight or I get pregnant or anything like that, like you're setting yourself to potentially be so judged by your audience mm. um, or, oh, well, she's gained weight. So we're not going to buy that. Like, it's just so superficial, you know? Right. Yeah. I think honestly, we're going to see tons of that superficial superficiality fall away over the next few years. I have this mm. deep feeling and I'm seeing proof of that starting already. Um, but we've just been so programmed that it's external when it's all about going inside, learning yeah. how to find your inner peace, learning how to build self-love from within and catch the negative self-talk, learning how to say nice things to yourself learning how to cope with stress. It's all about going inside. Yes, definitely. And what kind of things do you do? I talk a lot about morning routines, yeah. evening routines and the self-talk. So do you have something that you stick to and that you design with clients as well? Yeah. So I, so for myself, I have a bit of a self-care routine that I do in the morning. I get up and I either meditate or do EFT tapping and then I dry skin brush nice. with essential oils, which I really love. And then um, mm -hmm. weekends, it's like infrared sauna meditation, getting out into nature in the summer, of course, in the winter, I'm more mm -hmm. heavy on doing more tapping and journaling and stuff like that. Um, and then the evening time is just really, you know, quiet connection time with my boyfriend. Cause I've had a full day of coaching clients and, mm -hmm. you know, just want to have it be light and chill, but we're pretty mindful about 
you know, we don't really watch anything on TV. The only thing we've been watching is like, you know, documentaries and things to mm-hmm. kind of, you know, um, understand yeah. what's going on. But other than that, we're just connecting and, you know, catching up and being present with each other, which I think is so key. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of what I do. And then with my clients, I help them create starting with a small self-care routine and they try different kinds of self-care because it's up to them to experiment mm-hmm. and see what feels good for them and what suits them best rather than me tell them they have to do certain things every day. Yeah. Right. So yeah. as they become in tune, they figure out what they need and what works for different triggers or different stressors. And I'm there to help guide them on different ways they can do it. But it's great because as they get into self-care, they realize how much better they feel. And then it becomes almost like a non-negotiable, like they really want to do it. Mm-hmm. So Yes. So yeah, it's really cool to see the positive shift that happens when someone sees the benefits. Yes. We you know, all, we all want results. Yeah. Like, what is this going to so, do for me? You know, exactly. And so what is your non-negotiable? Like every day, just what is that? Oh, that's a good question. I think for me, mine is really being aware of my energy. Oh, clearing energy. That's my non-negotiable. Being aware of my vibration and my my energy Mm -hmm. vibration, especially right now, it's so important that we focus on, you know, our energy and raising our frequencies. Um, But yeah, like if I wake up in the morning and for some reason I feel off, I will be doing affirmations. I will Mm -hmm. be clearing energy. I will do things that will help to raise my vibration. And then I have like four pages of stuff that um, I've been working with my one of my colleagues on, cause she's super, she clears all sorts of stuff. And I'm like, I need a, like stuff to clear. Cause I feel like there's so many energies going on in the world right now. And it's so helpful. Yeah. Um, so that to me is my non-negotiable. Okay, great. I love it. It's so raising the frequency and I love that you do EFT tapping. That's mm, my so good. non-negotiable. Yeah. Although some I days I, I forget and I'm like, God, I feel a little bit off. Hmm. I, I hear you. Why. Yeah. Yeah. I do it multiple days a week too. It's really powerful. Yes, definitely. And so what, what happens when you feel like you lost, like lose your path, let's say in, you know, building your business and like any moments, you know, just for, for other women to hear the process of first of all, being an entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. but then going into business into something that you personally struggled with. Mm-hmm. Is there, was there moments where you're like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> Good question. No, because I had this deep inner knowing that I found my purpose. Like this is my mm. sole purpose. This is why I'm on this earth to, I've healed this for myself. Now I'm going to help mm-hmm. other people heal it and f- really yeah. find themselves. And for me, my biggest learnings in the beginning was I was too generous per se, or I didn't oh. use my intuition enough to sniff out other people who didn't have um, collaborative, you know, good in mind with both parties. Mm-hmm. And I had a few people who I, I ignored the red flags in the beginning. And so the collaboration definitely caused stress on my end because I should have just said no in the first place, but I am very mindful now. But to me, you know, I just had such drive mm-hmm. from the beginning because I knew, um, I think the key is that you really if you're going into business, you do it because you really have the intent of serving, whether you're helping someone with doing what I'm doing or you're building car parts or you're doing Mm -hmm. necklaces or you're teaching fitness classes, whatever it is, because it's this innate passion that you have instead of, well, I've heard if you go into business for yourself, you make a lot of money. So yeah, that's why I want to do it. Yes. Abundance comes when you're in your purpose and it's effortless to manifest it. However, it's so important. I think that your intent is pure Um, Mm -hmm. and that's where I just encourage people to do something that you love and really have it come from your heart and you will be rewarded with so many powerful, positive experiences when you're in alignment, when you're out of alignment, you're going to have lots of bumps along the way and lots of more learning opportunities. Mm -hmm. So what, what is your why? Oh man, it's really about why do I do what I do? Because 90% of the female population is struggling with some form of disordered eating or body image struggle, hating on their bodies, living a life, you know, of suffering. So I do what I do because I want to help them break free of that and truly reach food and body freedom so that they can live a full life and, you know, not feel like they have to hide or limit themselves. It's about being limitless. And so Mm -hmm. if I can help 
you know, one woman today feel not alone on this interview or, you know, help my client today gain that food and body freedom, then I've done my job. Mm -hmm. What is, what do you, when you envision your future, like the path ahead, do you have a clear vision? Is it something that you are tweaking along the way or is it just, have you had this yeah. So some of my long-term goals have drastically adjusted over the last few months, but that's Ooh, okay because my ultimate goal is helping at least a hundred million women overcome food and body freedom. Amazing. I have a feeling you and I are going to be very busy over the mm. next years. I think mm. there's going to be a lot um, of people that are, people are already wanting to heal, but I think that we're going to be busy healing the world over the Amazing. next few years, I just, and I've been chatting with some of my other colleagues and they're feeling the exact same way. Like they keep saying, this is like the break actually, or this is like the vacation. So like get ready because you wow. know, the boom is really coming. There's going to be yeah. a lot of people that want help. So for me, it's really about holding space, keeping my frequency high, being mm -hmm. a light and serving, you know, these incredible women who are ready to take their power back and help them undo the old conditioning and the brainwashing and you know, gain their optimal health as well. That's my ultimate goal. What is that going to look like as far as, you know, I had other goals where I wanted to be on certain TV shows and I wanted, but I don't have those goals anymore because I've just, I've learned something since then um, that I'm just like, that doesn't feel in alignment anymore. So I think there will be maybe new shows or new opportunities with different people who are in true alignment that will come. Mm -hmm. So I'm just kind of letting that play out. Um, Otherwise, my, my goal, my ultimate goal has always truly been what I just mentioned in, in really helping women gain this freedom and being a light. I think that's, it just feels why, like why I'm here. It's just mm -hmm. meant to be. And once you made that decision, which was over seven years ago, I'm assuming, because you started coaching seven years yeah. ago, what happened when you made that decision? It just drove me to establish my business, get my name out there, get, share mm -hmm. my story so that people could understand mm -hmm. what I went through and how I could help them. And it just evolved from there, right? Connecting with other empowering women and helping, you know, each other and helping our clients. And, you know, that's really what it's all about. So for me, that really, it just, it's just, I knew, I knew I wanted to specialize in this and I knew this is where I wanted to take my business. And like I said, when you're in alignment and you're on that path, you just know it's hard to describe it, but you just have this aha and that's it. And then you just go toward it. And you truly, I just don't let anything get in my way. Like mm -hmm. you, your mindset's so powerful. So you can choose, you know, to have stuff get in the way, or you can choose to go, no, I'm going to kick ass and I'm going to like make this happen. And doesn't matter what comes, I'm going to just plow through it, you know? So that's really been my mentality the whole time. And even still to this day, it's the same way. And I, mm -hmm. it really goes to show because over the last, you know, four to six weeks I've had the, and I'm so grateful, but I've had the, the highest influx of clients that I've ever taken on since I've mm. had my business. And so, you yeah. know, when you talk about mindset, like I've really been diligently focusing lately on miracles and aligned mm -hmm. clients and, you know, that it's got nothing to do with what's going on outside my door. It's all about what's going on in, in my yes. mind and body. And that is everything. Can you talk about identity? Because stepping into this role, like now you said you wanted to be a leader. Now you are a leader. You've been doing this for a while, but going from someone who was struggling mm -hmm. and, and it was like your secret, right? It was this mm -hmm. almost a, a did it feel like a double life in a way? Um, no, because I honestly wasn't really being very social or like doing anything anyway when I was struggling with my food addiction. So when I okay. overcame it, I authentically knew that, you know, I let go of food. I really learned how to love myself. I learned how to be kind and nurture my body and I didn't emotionally eat anymore. So it didn't feel like a double life because I healed. I moved through and I feel like I in a sense, died many times and was reborn through this healing journey. And so mm -hmm. I feel like every time I completed with something, it was just part of my past and I moved forward, but I never felt like a fraud or a double life because I authentically knew that I was doing the work and I was healing. Um, and I think that's so important practice what you preach. 
And mm-hmm. I practice what I preach 100% authentically, whether I'm having a great day or I'm like, hey, you know what? We all have our days. We all have our days where our ego takes over. That's okay. But I, you know, once I finished emotional eating, I, it didn't come back because I filled the void. Still to this day, I have no fear of it ever coming back because I've healed that. I, it's in my past and I've filled mm-hmm. the void. And Built I think that's void, what's yeah. so important to understand is when you really do the deeper work and gain yeah. freedom, you'll never go back no matter what. I was going to ask because I was, maybe this is a limiting belief I've had, or maybe I heard it somewhere else, but once you have an emotional or just an eating disorder, it's always there. You're saying that it's not, that you can No, I think that's yourself. a limiting belief. Yeah. So anyone who says anything is permanent, I think that's limiting. Our bodies mm-hmm. and minds are so powerful. Why, do, why can people heal themselves from things miraculously if we're not meant to? I think we're, yeah. we're so limited in thinking that you have to rely on a certain person or a certain thing to heal you when it's all within you. You just may need guidance along the way. So I don't think an eat, I think eating disorder saying eating disorder is permanent. I don't, that's why I don't like mm. to say it. That's why I say emotional oh, relationship say? with food because okay. it feels far less permanent and heavy and yeah. you can break free and gain full freedom from that emotional relationship with food. If you so choose to, if you really choose to do the the deeper work in the healing work. Some people latch onto a diagnosis or latch onto something and then they mm-hmm. hang onto it for their lives. And you really do have to be willing to detach from it because why would you want to let that define you? If you let it define you, you yeah. may struggle with it forever. Right. So, so the key is to let go. So true. And you're hitting on so many amazing points because the language that we use defines so much of who we are. Yeah. And what we do. So could you talk about your self-talk and oh, how yeah. in, in guiding people, like, you know, what would be some takeaways? Yeah. So the first step is starting to n- notice your negative self-talk. Mm-hmm. And when you notice it, because sometimes you won't, but as soon as you can start noticing it to catch it and go, is this really true? And to go, no. And to actually then, you know, apologize to yourself for saying what you did and say something nice to yourself, even if it doesn't feel real or authentic at first, yeah. it's about, it's just about starting to catch the narrative and shift it from there. You'll notice the self, the negative self-talk is triggered less and you're more likely to say nice things to yourself and it starts to feel real. And that starts to feel like you're a new identity. And then just gets to the point where you're always saying nice things to yourself. Like I don't ever say anything negative to myself. I'm always encouraging my ego may challenge me not so much on anything to do with my body, but like when I'm out and about and I certain stories or emotions come up, right. And I give my power away to my ego, but then I'm aware Mm -hmm. and I can take it back, but Mm -hmm. I'm never negative toward myself. I never get hard on myself about anything in my business. Like it's all about balance and being human. Well, right. I work, I've worked through it. Right. Since I had my business and I, yeah. And it's not about perfection. It's about, for me, it's about what can I, manifest effortlessly and not have to put so much pressure on. And the more I do that, the easier it is. Right. So a lot of mindset work, lots of energy work, lots of spiritual work that I've done has helped me get here. And I'm always wanting to grow and evolve. And I think that, Mm -hmm. you know, that's the beauty of being on this journey is it never, it never stops. Never stops. Yeah. But it's exciting because you just keep gaining more freedom. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yes. People think free from my job, from my nine to five and free from, those types of things. The yeah, freedom. running a business is the biggest growth opportunity you'll ever jump onto. You can't learn that in school. Oh my God. I mean, that's what I say. If you want to learn and go through the biggest transformation, personal growth, development, start a business. Yeah, exactly. A personal brand. Just put yourself out there and everything comes up. But again, yeah. it's, it's such a gift as well. And using, using what you have been through again and, and changing lives. And there's nothing greater than that. Right. Yeah. It, it truly is the biggest gift I think for me anyway. Yeah. And who holds you accountable? Me for sure. hundred yeah. okay. percent. And my boyfriend in the sense of he's very good at lovingly calling me out just like I am him. If we, you know, have our moments, but no, it's, mm-hmm. it's my responsibility yeah. to hold myself accountable. And so when you're helping your goal, your ultimate goal, a hundred million women mm-hmm. that you want to serve yeah, and help. And what does that look like for you when you envision it, it? Yeah. Well, it looks like collaboration. It looks like continuing to build my business. It looks like, you know, continuing mm-hmm. to help women building online programs so that I can reach more people. 
um, just continuing to allow for the organic growth of my business at the rate that it's meant to happen. Like I'm really just sitting and, and trusting in that and focusing on that. And the more I can develop more programs and have more variety and reach out, you know, rather than just the one-on-one and keep growing the podcast, it just helps get to more people. And so that really, you know, um, establishes that connection, I -hmm. think, which is the key is having that, you know, connection with that, that one person. And that's then all it takes. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Bike just drove by. Sorry. That's really loud. Um, but you know, that's what it takes, you know, is just one connection at a time. But when you, I feel like when you just don't have expectation, it just grows faster. You connect with more people than you Mm -hmm. even could have imagined because you're just like, I'm in my purpose. I don't have attachment to the outcome or the expectation of how many people I need to you know, be that need to be listening to my podcast or whatever it is. It's just like, I'm just going to focus on being of service and the rest comes. Yes, I have plan. Yes, I have goals, but Mm -hmm. the key goal is making sure I'm grounded and being of service to my, to my clients. Mm -hmm. What is your, do you have any vices or guilty pleasures? No, I really believe in, you know, feeling my emotions, using healthy ways to cope with my emotions. Um, I think TV used to be one, but we haven't really watched TV in the last six months. So, Mm -hmm. um, and not that we even watched that much anyway. So, um, yeah, not really. I'm, I'm here to live my full life and be present living my life, um, with the ups and downs and I want to feel and experience all of it. So no need to distract or numb. I did that enough before. So Mm -hmm. I want to be here fully (laughs) now on. What about coffee? You drink coffee? No, never oh. liked it. Really? Okay. I would say that's my yeah. one. Never. I yeah. never liked coffee. Yeah. No. Yeah. And what is, well, what's your favorite food? Strawberries. Oh, okay. Yeah. Summer fruit for sure. Mm-hmm. Even in the winter? Uh, I guess in the winter it's like apples because it's a bit more seasonal, but Mm -hmm. I'm a huge, I'm a huge berry fan all year. (laughs) Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. It's one of the best foods and it's all over your Instagram too. It's beautiful. Right. That's one of the reasons why a lot of my recipes have berries or like apples or pumpkin spice in them because those are my favorites. So I guess I'm biased. (laughs) It's very healthy. And are you cooking a lot? Are you in the kitchen? Okay. So you're, yeah. Yeah. Every, well, not every day we do lots of food prep on the weekend. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, like all we cook most of our stuff. We may, we eat out once in a while, try to support a local restaurant, but I love to cook. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd rather put my love into my own food and have us enjoy it. Definitely. And where can people find you? So people can find me on my website at amberfood.ca. I have a free emotional eating quiz there and you can learn more about body freedom. Um, my podcast is the no sugar coating podcast where I talk more in depth about all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm on Instagram. My name, it's my name, Amber Romaniuk, R-O-M-A-N-I-U-K. Um, and then if people are connecting and they want to have a chat with me, there's also an opportunity on my website to, you know, book in there and have a complimentary 30 minute call and just see where you're at, what you're struggling with and, and to just feel safe being heard. So mm-hmm. that's where people can find me. Awesome. What is the most recent win that you've celebrated? Oh, I think really, really learning how to sit in. Well, I think having like the biggest month of my business ever this month is a huge win, but from an energetic standpoint, I think it's really about learning how to sit in deep peace within myself whilst everything goes on in the world. I have Mm -hmm. my, I'll have a moment of fear, but then I pull up to the higher timeline, which for me is like freedom, sovereignty, trust, hope, abundance, and success. And so I feel very grateful for all the work I've done up until this point because I think it's helping me have it be easier to just really stay in my gifts and focus and have mm-hmm. compassion for the world. But my responsibility is to be in my light. And so I've really mm. been mastering that. Amazing. Well, you emanate a lot of light. I love chatting oh, with you. Thank you. Likewise. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, it's so many, so many juicy, great, inspiring tidbits in there so I really encourage everyone to go follow you on Instagram check out your website take the quiz if you're curious right the emotional quiz and yeah and go from there 
Heck yeah. Check out your podcast as well. Yes. I think people will enjoy it if they like this conversation. Yes. I sure did. So I hope Likewise. everyone else did. <laughs> awesome. Is there anything else that, that, you know, that's coming up for you that, that you wanted to share? I think this is the best this is now's the time do the deeper work. There's no better time than the present to take action on your health on all levels. So mm-hmm. take action now. I really just think, you know, the sooner we do our deeper work, the sooner we find peace. So, you know, move the fear aside and go forward with your courage. Mm-hmm. Courage. Love it. Doing yeah. it scared. It's everything. Thank you so much. Thank you, Willow. <laughs> it's really been a pleasure. Honestly, I'm so grateful for you. Oh, I'm grateful for you too. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. I truly believe you owe it to yourself to be courageous and unapologetic about what you really want in this life. Make sure to subscribe where you listen to your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And hey, if you want to share your story or just say hi, go ahead and find me on Instagram at where is Willow. I would love to hear from you. Cheers to carving your own fucking path.